Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. Our attention one more time to the book of Romans. The book of Romans chapter number 12. We looked at last week, we looked at verse number 1. Uh, this week we're going to be looking at verse number 2. We'll read verse number 1 and verse number 2 because they have a great deal to do with each other. Uh, but We'll read both of these, but we will center in and concentrate on verse number 2. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 12, verse number 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Watch as he made that statement in the latter end of verse number one. Watch some of the things that he says in verse number two. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to collectively gather around your word. We thank you for the opportunity you've given us to hear the preaching of your word. Lord, I pray tonight that we as your children hear not the preacher, but hear the preaching. Lord, may we understand from scriptures the truths that we find here. Lord, I pray that you would give us clear understanding. I pray that in doing so, we might magnify you. We might praise you. We might edify you. And Lord, I pray and ask you, Lord, that in looking at this, we understand your instructions for our life. I pray that you would have your will and way in each and every heart. Give each heart exactly what they need tonight. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. In light of this verse of Scripture, Paul says here in verse number 2, he said, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Every new year that rolls around, in January there are millions of people that make resolutions, if you will. They make resolutions to make changes in their life. Every year about April, and we're coming up on April, those same millions have given up 
on those resolutions because they found it difficult to follow through with those resolutions. As Christians, all of us would say that we want to change so that we will be more like Christ. I think that's the desire of every child of God. That we would change so that we are more like Christ. And that's some of what Paul's telling us here, but we're going to dig into this and and look at what the Lord has for us. But uh, understand this, that sometimes change comes easy, and sometimes change doesn't come so easy. Uh, sometimes it is an overnight change. There are some people that may experience something that they've battled with and God does something for them and overnight that changes. And others may have a lifelong struggle with that same thing. And yet when it comes right down to it, change is hard. It's like climbing an icy slope almost. At the point in time when you think you've made some progress, it seems that you lose your your footing and you slide back to where you were. I know that it is that way in my life and I'm sure that it's that way in all of our lives because we experience some of the same battles, but we experience battles nonetheless, whether they be different or whether they be the same. They're difficult. So how can we change for good? How can we be good I mean, both permanently and for good in terms of the character of our behavior. How can we change and become more like Christ? I believe Paul gives us some references, gives us some ideas here. In addressing this question, let's be honest. That most of the time, the playing field is not level for everyone. It, and just like I've already said, the battle becomes difficult and sometimes more so for some than it becomes for others. And maybe in a different area, it becomes difficult for that person uh, to battle those things in which they're trying to have themselves look more like Christ. Like I said, I think that is the desire of every Christian is that we look more like Christ. That, that's our heart's desire. That's my desire. It's, I want to be more like Christ. And I understand, I understand that I fail God miserably a lot of times. But I believe it is the desire that we have in our heart that God looks at and God understands. If you, grow, if you grew up in a home there were, where there was frequent conflict or where the parents were split up or where there was verbal or physical or sexual abuse or those things happen, sometimes it's more difficult than it is for those that grew up in a home that it seemed like everything ran well and everything was fine. And not to say that people don't have their own struggles even in that area. What I'm trying to say is this, the, the playing field's not always level. It's not always the same. And while others may fight some battles, others may fight different battles, 
but the battles are there nonetheless. While the battles may be difficult, the good news is that the Bible promises that there is change for those that trust in Christ. Understand that what we are tonight is dependent upon Christ. Even in light of the fact if we desire to have change in our life, that change comes only by and through the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about that this morning, dealt with the fact that it is Christ who does the changing. It is Christ that does the work. It is Christ that does the saving and the sanctifying in the child of God's life. It is not we who sanctify ourselves, but it even at that, I want us to understand, it does not relieve us of the responsibility that we have as the children of God to be obedient to our Heavenly Father. God gives us that responsibility. My children, when they were growing up, and even now, my children will always, have always been, and will always be my children. Nothing will ever change that. But sometimes there may be some strain between the relationship due to different various things. So there is the battles. And the battles are difficult, but as long as we're trusting in Christ, Paul gives us some things here as we look at this passage of Scripture that will help us and aid us as we consider these things. The next thing that we must address is dealing with the change from Romans chapter 12 and verse number 2 that follows after Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. Let's look at these again and understand there are some key words that are in both of these verses. In verse number 1 it said, I beseech you therefore brethren, and understand there is a, there's a change in the tide that's taking place. You and I are, are in... If I'm not mistaken, we are in the 78th message from the book of Romans. We preach 78 messages out of the book of Romans. And we're just now getting into the point where Paul is changing the tide from telling us what we are and telling us what Christ has done for us and telling us the, the, the doctrinal foundation that we have to where Paul is beginning to lay some practical things of life before us. He's laid a lot of doctrine there and now he is starting to point to some of our responsibilities before God. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. And we looked at that in depth last week. By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he goes on to use some of those same phrases and some of those same things as he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good, and look at what he says, and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul 
begins dealing with these things. In verse number 1, Paul addresses the readers as brethren. So he is talking to those that are saved by the grace of God. Everything that Paul's saying here is addressed to those that are saved. To those that are born again, to those who have had the grace of God revealed unto them, to those whom God has chosen to save. And because of that, he is instructing them not to be conformed to this world. God has changed the hearts from being hostile toward God to loving Him. There is no way that Paul could say what he says in verse number 2 to a lost world. Because their hearts are already and have been ever since their birth hostile toward God. People may not, may not demonstrate that openly, but they're, they're, they're at enmity with God. They're enemies of God. And they're hostile toward God. And to be honest with you, God is hostile toward them. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us the wrath of God abideth on them. And their life is under the wrath of God. But God changes the heart from being hostile toward Him to loving Him. You and I could not love God if God had not first loved us. Is that not what the Scripture tells us? I told Brother Charles this morning we were talking about that. And I told Brother Charles, uh, Brother Charles actually came up to me and said, I love you, brother. And I looked at him and I said, I love you because he first loved me. That is the only way that we can love each other. That is the only way that we can demonstrate that love is because Christ has loved us first. You were sinners deserving of His judgment when His gracious, He graciously opened our eyes to Christ dying for our sins. What is Romans chapter 5 verse number 8? Did He not tell us that several chapters ago? He said, uh, but the, the love of God is commended toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yes. He died for us while we were yet sinners. So you cried out to Him and He saved you. Now, out of gratitude for His mercy and out of a heartfelt desire, you and I want to please God. And that's what Paul's addressing here. In Romans chapter 12, verse number 2, it shows how to develop the response to God's mercy. And Paul calls us to that by saying, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul is saying this, rather than being conformed to the evil age, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that ye may prove in practice God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. That's what Paul's telling us. And he gives us these instructions as we look at this, understand that when Paul deals with verse number 2, 
the very first thing Paul does is he comes at that verse from a negative standpoint. Paul looks at that from a negative standpoint. He tells us in the beginning of verse number 2, he said, and be not conformed to this world. He gives us a negative command that you and I are not to be conformed to this world. And when he's talking about this world, he's talking literally about the present evil age that you and I live in. He's not, he's not talking about the world from Noah's day. He's not talking about the world that will be in the future. He's talking about our evil present day. You and I are not to be conformed to the day and the age in which we find ourselves. We're not to be conformed to all of those things that we know that are against Scripture. We're not to conform to those things. We're not to allow those things to be part of us. And he's referring to the present evil age, which is passing away. It's passing away. And in contrast, you and I, at one point in our life, whether through death or through the Lord's return, you and I are going to see the beginning of an eternal age. So God's telling us while we're here on earth, not to be conformed to the world that is around us. It does not mean that we don't dwell here. It does not mean that we don't exist here. But we're not to conform to the ways that this world is reacting against Scripture. Understand, Paul also said in the book of Galatians, chapter number 1, verse number 3 through 5, Paul says this, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Christ did not die and leave us to be conformed to this present evil age that we're living in. He rescued us from it so that our lives would glorify God. The purpose in our rescue, the purpose in our salvation is that we might glorify God. And we do that by not being conformed to this world. Not acting like this world. Not not being like this world is. But what does that mean? If you grew up in fundamentalism, which most of us did, there are those things around us, the environment, the worldliness, was identified in external behavior. If you grew up in fundamentalism, most of the time, there was, if you will, there were the big five. The big five was, you're not supposed to smoke, you're not supposed to drink, you don't go to movies, 
You don't dance and you don't gamble or play cards. Those were the big five that we grew up with and we grew up around. They were external. And they were those things that people externally looked at us and determined whether or not we were saved by the grace of God. Can I tell you, that's not what Paul's talking about here. That's not what he's dealing here. In fact, one gentleman mentioned this when he went to seminary. Uh, the Lord had called him to preach. He went to seminary. And, and he came from backwoods farm life. But when he went to seminary, he was told that he had to wear a coat and tie in every class. Why was he told that? Because ministers are supposed to look different. He said that, that, almost, that almost kept him from going to seminary. But he also made this statement. He said one of the people that he went to seminary with, one of his classmates, told him that the first time he saw him, he actually thought he might not be a Christian. And when he asked him, why you thought I might not be a Christian? He said, it's because you have a mustache and you go to the movies. That was the reason, that was the whole thinking as to why this guy might not even be saved by the grace of God. That's not what Paul's talking about. That's not what he's dealing with. I'm not suggesting that not being conformed to this age has no relationship to our outward matters. But it is not our outward matters that determine whether or not we're being conformed to this world. Understand, if we love God, we're going... What, in, in, in essence, let me, let me say this. Most people would have said... You don't smoke because Christians don't smoke. When in essence what Paul's trying to get us to see and what Paul's trying to get us to look at is that inward matter of you and I are the temple of the Holy Ghost and smoking is harmful to the temple of the Holy Ghost and therefore we should not smoke because it's harmful to the temple in which the Holy Ghost dwells. Not just because... We don't want somebody to see a cigarette hanging out of our mouth. And, and, and like that, uh, those other things that I mentioned, those things, most of the time people would look at those things externally and they would make a determination about you and about your life. And that's not what... God does not... In fact, the Bible tells us God does not look on the outward. He looks on the inward. It is those things that... And, and, and I think Jeffrey and I were talking some after the service this morning. We can, we can mark down all these things that we see externally. But let me ask you a question. If, if, we, if we were to stop and say that we are responsible for our own sanctification and we're responsible for that so that we get rid of all of those things that we that 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 doesn't look like Christ, and and by our rights we should. And over time, God will clean those things up. But what I'm saying is this: if 
if we look on all the outward things that people can see, and we determine whether, whether or not somebody's saved or whether they're sanctified or whether they're full of the Holy Ghost because of what we see in their lives externally, what about that pride that most all of us have that does not always display itself, but it is there? What are the things that God says He hates? A haughty spirit and a proud look. God hates them. So what I'm saying is just what Jeffrey mentioned when he was uh, talking about the songs, it is those things that Christ makes a difference in our life. It's, It's those, and I've lost my train of thought. Maybe I'll get it back sometime or another. But if it got derailed, it may end up in a train wreck down the road. But anyway, uh, what, what are we talking about? We're talking about those, those internal things that Christ must change. It is Christ that sanctifies us. It is Christ that makes the difference in us. It is not we ourselves. Understand as we look at this, we should look respectable and not draw undue attention to ourselves where where someone would would say uh, don't dress provocatively Uh, the better way to look at that is not drawing undue attention to yourself why because we as the children of God are to glorify God and if we're glorifying our body we're not glorifying God so it's looking at things through the right lens it's looking at things through the right uh, perspective. In fact, there are some commentators that put it this way. Uh, John Murray explains it this way. Conformity to this age is to be wrapped up in the things that are temporal. To have all your thoughts oriented to that which is seen and temporal. If all our calculations and our plans and our ambitions are determined by what falls within life here, then we are children of this age. It is about, it is about where our heart is. Is that, is that not what Christ told us? Uh, where our treasures are, our heart shall be also. If everything that we have is wrapped up in this life, then we are children of this age and we are not conforming to Christ. But if, and that doesn't mean, I I can't help but to think about this. I I, I know some people that because if, if if you had a pontoon boat, you were worldly. Because you went out with the world on the lake and everybody out there wasn't dressed like they're supposed to dress so you can't even have a pontoon boat. What are you saying? I'm saying those things, there's nothing wrong with having treasures here on earth. But if our heart is wrapped up in those treasures, we are not conformed to Christ. We're, tra- we're, we're still conformed to this world and we're not transformed. There's another commentator that put it this way, to think 
secularly is to think within a frame of reference bonded by the limits of our life on earth. It is to keep one's calculations rooted in this worldly criteria. To think Christianly is to accept all things with the mind as related directly or indirectly to man's eternal destination as the redeemed and chosen children of God. What's he saying? He's, he's talking about where our mind is, where our heart is. What, what is our thoughts? What is Paul trying to tell us when he's telling us not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed? He's telling us to be transformed. Another commentator puts it this way. The characteristic of a secularist values and the judgments is that they give preeminence to man-centered and world-centered criteria to limitly temporal and standpoints that have to deal with man rather than those that have to deal with God. Then lastly, Martin Lloyd-Jones puts it this way. By world in the New Testament, it means life as it is thought of, originated, and life apart from God, without reckoning on God, without being governed and controlled by Him. Let me ask you this question. In light of what Paul's telling us when he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Let me ask you this question. What is our thought life? In what we do, in where we go, in what we say, in the way we act and the way we react, what is our thought life? Let me put it, let me put it this way. Those Five big things that we talked about in fundamentalism. Did you quit smoking because the preacher said you need to quit smoking? Or did you quit smoking because God said? Did you do it for the church or did you do it for God? That, that is even those things which will be sent through the fire. It is, not, it is not the works that we do, but it is the essence behind what we did. Why do we do what we do? Do we do what we do because we love God? Did we come to church tonight? And I know, I, I know I'm, I'm, to coin a phrase, I'm preaching to the choir. I know I'm not talking to anybody here. But did you come to church tonight to be seen as someone else? Did you come to church tonight because you were afraid someone wouldn't see you here? Did you come to church tonight because you wanted to gather around the Word of God? You wanted to gather around the songs of Zion? You wanted to gather around the people of God? And you wanted to get to know Christ better? Amen. That's being transformed. The other... When you're going to church because you want to be seen, you're going to church for whatever reason, even those good things that we do, if they're not done for the proper reason and there's not a proper, there's not a proper drive behind it, 
they're of no good. You're still conforming to the world. That's right. You're still conforming. Even in the good things, you're conforming to the church. You're conforming to a person. You're conforming to this. But you're not being transformed and conforming to the image of Christ. And what God wants from us is that we be conformed to Christ. That you and I look more like Christ. So Paul is telling us negatively, do not be conformed to that kind of godless thinking that characterizes people who have no knowledge of the eternal God, who always live in the light of the temporal and not in the light of that which is eternal. Give you this, number two, but ye are transformed by the renewing of your mind. In verse number two, he tells us this, Paul gave us a negative, now he's going to give us a positive. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want us, in light of that statement, I want us to note three things in this scripture. Number one, the process of transformation is a life Long work of God. Don't miss that. It is a lifelong work of God for which you and I are responsible. Our responsibility and the only responsibility we have in our sanctification is our submitting to the leadership and the guiding and the direction of the Holy Spirit of God and the scriptures which God gives us to direct our lives. It is not that, it's just like I said this morning, it is not the work that Christ did is enough. He's not looking for us. He's not looking for us to do the work he told us to do in order that we might know that relationship. He's asking us to do the work that we do that we might have a closer walk with him, that we might be more conformed to his image, that we might be transformed in our life and in our in our walk for him sometimes god's work is instant it's a permanent change sometimes it's not i told brother charles that just we were standing here talking about this and i didn't even think about this till just now we were talking about a gentleman that i knew when the lord's before angie and i even got married And he and I were serving God together. We were going to church together. We were preaching in the nursing home together. We were preaching on the street corner together. We were going out on a bus route together. We were serving the Lord and doing what we were doing together. And he loved God. He was saved. His background was before he got saved, he had done some things in his life. He had spent time in prison. He had got saved while he was in prison. And God had taken him out of those things that he was stuck in, those things that were dominating his life. And God had changed him and put him on a whole different path. 
and he walked that path and he lived that life and he and I served God together. But years down the road, he ended up having a fall on a job that ended up causing him to start taking pain medicine, which took him right back to the life that he had before. Now, did that make him any less saved? No. Not at all. Did that make him any less sanctified when it comes to his standing before God? No. His standing before God never changed. But he didn't have that relationship with God, that that daily relationship with God, and it was not God that walked away. But it became a battle that he couldn't overcome. You say, what do you say? I'm I'm talking about the process of transformation is a long life, a long, lifelong process, and it is a lifelong work of God in our lives, which you and I are responsible for. It is our response to submit to what God tells us. It is our response to 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 give ourselves wholly over to the Lord. Understand as we look at this and and look at this passage of scripture, who was was it? Didn't the apostle Paul have some struggles of his own? As we see him going through scripture, Paul when. When the Apostle Paul was saved by the grace of God, before he was saved, what was he? He was a strong go-getter. He, he was adamant about what he was doing. He was active in what he was doing. And what he, whatever he went after, he went after strong. He was almost bullheaded, if you will, about the things he was doing. God saved him. He became that same person. That same personality... Serving God. But even in becoming that same personality in serving God, what happened when he took a young man by the name of John Mark with him on a missionary journey? And the journey got a little more than John Mark wanted to deal with, and John Mark went home. What happened to the Apostle Paul when they came back? And they were getting ready to go out again. Did not Barnabas said, let's get Mark to go with us. Paul said, no, sir. He's not going with us. He left us last time. He's not going with us. It was so adamant a confrontation that Paul and Barnabas split up and went separate ways. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about somebody growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even the Apostle Paul. Even as great a man as we see him in Scripture, he still had his own struggles. But you find later on, Brother Charles, you find later on that God had continually worked and continually worked and there was transformation that took place. And later on in Scriptures, he says, bring John Mark with you. He is profitable to me in the ministry. Why? Because God transformed. God worked. It was a work of God in the life of the Apostle Paul. So understand that 
just because you can't get a hold of that thing right now does not mean that it will be a battle all of your life. Keep walking that walk. Keep doing what God's telling you to do. And keep putting your trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ will take care of that. You say, He may not take care of it. Well, it'll be definitely be taken care of when we get to heaven, will it not? Because then we'll be glorified. Then we will not be as we are now. But He's telling us not to be not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed. The means of trans- transformation. God's telling us, Paul's telling us through the Holy Spirit of God, not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And he doesn't just tell us not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed and just leave us hanging. He even tells us how we can do it. What does he say here in verse number 2? And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is the means of our being transformed. The primary source of transformation in our life is a change of our thinking when it comes to God's Word. How many times have we thought one thing and we found out later on down the road it was something different? It is the the source of our transformation is in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in in the Word of God that He has given us. I can't emphasize enough that you and I saturate ourselves. I can't emphasize enough for me that I saturate myself with the Word of God. Why? Because it is the Word of God that cleanses us. It is the Word of God that changes us. It was the Word of God that changed us to begin with and it will be the Word of God that will continually change things in our life. Don't think that my heart or your heart is immune to sin. It's not. What does 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse number 12 tell us? Let not him let let not him think more of himself than he ought. We're not to think more highly of ourselves than we should lest we fall. When I begin to think more of myself than I should, I'm I'm on falling ground. Because we, we get lifted up in our pride. In fact, that is one of the things that happens when we get to the point we think more of ourselves than we ought to think, then we are lifted up in pride. And that pride, sin of pride rears its head and we end up falling because of it. The primary source of our transformation is changing our thinking of the Word of God. The secondary source for changing our thinking are gifted teachers and examples that we find in God's Word. And not only those that we find in God's Word, but those that we find that have studied God's Word. How many times have we heard somebody make the statement, 
I don't need those commentaries. I don't need what they said. I don't need what that one said. I got the Word of God. Well, let me ask you, Mr. or Mrs., do you understand everything there is to know in the Word of God? No. None of us do. Therefore, let's feed upon those that have studied the Word of God. Let's look at what they say. Let's read what they say. Let's be a part of hearing what those men or those women have to say about what the Scripture says. Are they always right? No. There are commentators I love to read after. But there are commentators that I love to read after that I find out they're wrong right here. But they're right over here. And most of the time, to be just upfront and honest with you, they're right a whole lot more than they're wrong. Take those men for what they are, but use them. They are men, and they are fallible, and they can make mistakes, and they don't know everything. But take them and use them. And let them help you through the Word of God. Listen to good, godly preachers and messages from the Word of God. Listen to things that you can listen to and, and, and renew your mind daily. We ought to, we're, we're told to renew our minds daily. To allow those things to saturate us. We can say all we want to say and we can say we don't want to be conformed to this world and we want to be transformed to the likeness of Christ. But if we spend all of our time in the world and we spend all of our time in worldly things, we're not going to be transformed. Why? Because it is. God told us in this verse of Scripture, it is the renewing of our minds that transforms us. It is the changing of our thinking. And and let me just say right here real quickly, let me just say that just because it was always said don't mean it was always right. Just because everybody always said it doesn't make it right. See what Scripture says about Scripture, but listen at the same time. Keep your mind open to listen to those men and women who have studied the Word of God and find out what they have to say and take that back to the Word of God and say, is that what the Word of God says? Let the Word of God be the final authority. Let the Word of God be the baseline of everything that you have. But listen to those things that other people say. Whether it be through preaching, whether it be through sermons, whether it be through reading. And, and I, someone gave this example. Everybody's always said, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fast reader, never have been. I always wished I could read faster. And one of the things that I have a problem with is when I sit down to read, my mind still runs in about 20 different directions. If, I don't, if, if I'm not reading early in the morning when things are quiet and I've first gotten up, if I don't read then, 
When I do sit down and read, my mind's going in so many different directions. And I'll easily get pulled off somewhere else. So read those things and, and allow those things to be part of your life. And I, I had another one derailed, but anyway... Uh, read those things and, and, and look at those things and be a part of those things. The, read the stories of George Mueller. Read the stories of John Calvin, John Bunyan, Jonathan Edwards, William Carey, Adoniram Judson, Hudson Taylor, C.H. Spurgeon, Martin Lloyd-Jones, and others that impact people's lives. And, and you can attest to the truths of these things that they're telling us from Scripture. To understand not only that, but the result of transformation is that you will prove in patience what is God's perfect, acceptable will. When, when God's talking about will here, and I'll, I'll try to rush through this and try to give you this real quickly. Uh, when God's talking about God's will... He's not talking about whether or not you should go here or whether or not you should go there. He's talking about those things that are... are in fact, let me give you this illustration. Paul's not talking about the moral will of God as revealed in the, Word of God, in, in the Bible. This would include that you marry only a committed Christian... That's what Paul's talking about. Paul is talking about those things that are morally seen in the Scriptures. As, as our marriage, God tells us and instructs us that we're not to marry unbelievers. But God never said whether you're supposed to marry Bob or supposed to marry Bill. He just said don't marry unbelievers. Now, does God have a perfect mate for you? Yes, I believe He does. But what, what Paul's telling us in this passage of Scripture and talking about the will of God, he's talking about that, that moral will of God that God has revealed in His Word. That word prove, when he's talking about prove here, that means to discern and to approve by testing. Test that Scripture. Find out if that Scripture, if that scripture is saying what you think it says. Prove it to be true. When he's talking about uh, what God wants in view of the practice that is in our life. God's will is always good. It's always acceptable and it's always perfect. God's will in our life is always good, it's always acceptable, and it's always perfect. Good refers to the moral goodness or holiness. It also is good for you because sin always damages us, but God's will always leads us in the right direction. That word acceptable, the primary meaning is acceptable and pleasing to God. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 through 10 says, For you are were formerly in darkness, and now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You and I are to be walking according to the light of God's Word. That word perfect re refers to God's absolute moral perfection. 
And you and I understand that we cannot attain that, but the Lord Jesus Christ has attained that. Let me give you this real quickly in closing. There was a columnist, a person that wrote columns, and they made this statement. They said, our dilemma is that we hate change and we love it at the same time. What we want is for things to remain the same, but get better. That's what we want most of the time. We want things to remain the same, but we always want them to get better. We don't really, we don't really not want change. We want change in our life. And for things to get better in our life, they must change. If things are going to get better, it must change. And to change, you must be involved in the process. If there is going to be change in our life, you and I are involved in that process. We're involved in that process by renewing our minds in the Word of God. By allowing God to renew our minds and show us and prove to us what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? I would encourage all of us to set a goal of growing in this process. Allowing God, and most of us already have that in our life. Begin, begin with centering ourselves around the Word of God. Renewing ourselves in the Scriptures. Link up, like I've already said, link up with Mature mentors who can help you grow. Listen to those that have gone on before us. Read those writers of the 1800s. Read those writers of the early 1900s. Read what they have to say about what the Word of God says. Don't let the world squeeze us into a mold that they have set for us. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by what God has for us in Scripture and what God gives us in Scripture. Let's pray.